I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another lovely episode of, I keep calling it Blizzard Watch Plays, but, you know, it's been D&D Spectacular for a while, so whatever you want to call it. Uh, but we're going to be playing another episode of Otherweld today, and I will go ahead and let everybody introduce their characters before we go into a brief synopsis of last game session and move into today's adventure. Uh, so we'll start from uh, alphabetically in what Discord shows me as everybody is here. So, Anne, why don't you introduce yourself and who you're playing? Hi. Man Stickney, and I'm playing Quint, who is a half orc monk and got swept up into all of this nonsense and is still not quite sure what's going on, but she's delighted. Fantastic. Corey, who are you playing? Hi, I'm Corey, and I'm playing Yordle, the turtle. Yep. He's got mushroom. Very on the nose naming, as far as that goes. Uh, let's go with uh, Deb. Who are you playing? Hi, I'm Deb, and I am playing Marzi Dotes, who is a gnome tinkerer. All right. Uh, Liz? Hello, I am Liz, and I'm playing Ron, who is a changeling phantom rogue. Okay. Uh, next up on the list is Andrew. I'm playing Dinar, a uh, Genasi a warlock genie, uh, is currently in service to Ron. And last but certainly not least, uh, Matt Rossi. Matt, who are you playing? Matt, hi. I'm playing Mei Hin Lu, the uh, Leonin fighter uh, slash barbarian. I'm I'm tall. I can get even taller, and then I can get really mad and hit things. <laughs> That's very very true. All right. Well, the last we met everybody, uh, they were in the desert cities uh, trying to sort of get ready for the next leg of their adventure. They had been tasked by Hanurai and D uh, to go and get a lost relic from the last time that 
well, Hatterai and Dee's party uh, had been in the Forbidden Jungles. Uh, they kind of dropped something during one of their adventures, and they need to get it back. Uh, so they were tasked as part of repayment for uh, everything that they've been, you know, kind of doing uh, for everybody to go and get this item from this lost temple. Uh, not necessarily, I guess, lost would not be the correct word. Hidden. Sure, we'll go with it. It's a legend of a hidden temple. Uh, so they made it their way down on Bob's airship, the goblin barbarian chef slash pilot, whose ship is manned completely by him, him, his wife, and his kids. Uh, made it to uh, through a, a assault of harpies, uh, and then uh, landed safely. Last, they were bedding down for the night uh, and had booked passage on an expedition that was leaving uh, from the city uh, and going into... Uh, the jungles in the next morning. And that's where we left everybody off. Uh, as, of course, I think May also summoned two lions because she could, and it was just there. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you guys are, are uh, you, well, I can't even talk today. I'm so sorry, folks. Uh, so the city of Iramore, uh, which is got this huge, giant, like, temple pyramid in the middle. It's uh, a rather large, sprawling city as far as deserts go. Um, we're getting ready to sort of bed down for the night. Is there anything in particular you wanted to do before you found rooms or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm just going to kind of follow people around and I'm, I'm pretty content with what happened with me, so I'm, I'm good. I got my stuff. Okay. I was just taking it all in and just um, I don't know if she has a chance she might kind of do a loop around the city and just sort of look and get the lay of the land and just see all the different stuff she's not. Sure. Uh, She's never been here before, and it's kind of exciting. So we'll say for the for for the sake of descriptive purposes, you guys take a kind of a loop around the city as you're sort of taking in the sights. You you sort of got here and immediately went to uh, try to barter and get some uh, vendor items because that's what adventurers do. But as you start walking through the city and just sort of like people watching, you notice that from what you've heard back home, the desert is this lawless, like dirty, dangerous place. And there's a certain element of you can see, like, otherness here, uh, races and, and creatures that are definitely uncommon back where you're from, which is more of like a plainsy, like, for lack of a better term, like a, a lush, foresty slash plainsy type area. Uh, but here, life is definitely harder. Uh, it doesn't look like they want for water or anything like that. The basic needs of life are definitely met, uh, but the food smells different. The spices uh, are definitely way different than what you're used to. Uh, they don't seem to value money nearly as much as other places in so much as what they can melt it down into because metal seems to be something that's a little more uh, rare or scarce here. Uh, you do see uh, different, like... <laughs> They look like they're hairless creatures, and at first you think that they're all the same humanoid type, but you notice uh, elves with ritualistic tattooing upon their pale uh, or very tanned skin, uh, all semblance of hair completely gone. Uh, it looks like several of them have their ears docked uh, through either some manner of ritualistic uh, intent, 
uh, or maybe there were former slaves you don't know, but they all seem to sort of have this. Uh, you see small, very dark-skinned halflings, again, also completely hairless, uh, bringing in what appears to be meat uh, from outside of the city and vendoring it off. Uh, their teeth, as they smile, as they do their exchanges and, and uh, their trading, uh, give you a very large sense of unease. They are almost filed to points uh, and it looks like they could tear through flesh almost uh, like it wasn't even there. You see uh, those giant bug-like creatures, the praying mantis, the thrycreen, uh, trading with Yanti, uh, which are half-snake-like people, uh, for lack of a better term. If you haven't seen them, there are several different versions of them, but the ones that live in the city have snake-like heads, humanoid upper torsos, and the lower torsos are uh, spiraling serpent tails and bodies. Um, you see what looks like dwarves, but slightly wider uh where they you know are trading but um they're not like a dwarf that you've seen before and everybody seems to be getting along uh more or less there there's always going to be some form of squabble or uh some form of inherent disagreement or especially when you're bartering but uh, for lack of a better term the mutual desire for survival in this area seems to lend itself well to uh, at least coexistence. And the city sort of has a harmony to it as you go through. Uh, you notice that everything has its own little section. Uh, there is sort of the market area. There is definitely a residential area. Uh, and you can see small children playing in the streets, uh, whether it's they're playing with uh, small balls or like sticks or uh, you see them throwing what look like uh, hollow discs back and forth um anybody who's more militaristic might know them as chakra um but not sharp they're actually you know basically they're playing frisbee um and when they see you they kind of scatter because you are very strange here in your metal armor and your uh demeanor as far as like just being foreigners and you can see every now and then like they'll they'll poke their heads out as you walk by and they sort of like kind of follow behind a little bit and then they go back to their games when they get bored of trying to follow you because you're not doing anything exciting um i'll actually me and the lions will stop and i'll drop down also i'm not wearing anything metal i just have like i have bracers and that's it okay yeah but you have a giant metal pole strapped to your back yeah that's true uh, i'm sorry a metal right. scythe specifically yes. yes but i'll stop and wait with the lines I, t- I turn to uh uh, either Ron or Quint, whoever's closer, and say, I'm going to wait here. I'll come find you. You're going to wait here? By there, are, there are children following us. I like children. Oh, well, that's fine. Okay, we'll come find you. Okay. So you kind of hang behind as everybody else moves. The the, the lions are sort of just like bent, bedding down as cats often do when they are bored and swishing their tails uh, because they're basically just giant domesticated cats at this point for you. Um and a couple of the kids, like, they, they realize you're not going anywhere, and they kind of, like, kind of walk out from behind the, the corners of buildings and kind of stare at you. I, d- I do that thing cats do where they give the head tilt, and then I kind of spend a couple minutes preening myself, and then I look back and see if they're still there. Oh, yeah, they're watching you. I swish my tail around a little bit. You see one of the, the more braver children walks up uh, a little bit. Hi. Hello. What are you? What are you? I'm a human. What are you? I am as you see me. I am of the Stellwar Craw. We live in the mountains, far to the north and west of here, I believe. That's a fancy way of saying cat. Well, you know I'm a cat. So how do you get those lines to do, like, be nice? I heard that they're mean. 
uh, as far as I know, these two are not mean. You're not mean, are you, Cobb? And I turn and look to one of them and say that. No, uh, it just kind of like grumbles at you a little bit and just puts his head back down. No, they are only here for a little while, and then they must go away for a while, and then they can come back when I ask them to. Oh. What are, what are you doing? We're playing. What are you playing? Uh, we're playing Toss. And she, like, holds up one of the, the chakras. See, watch! And she, like, flings it at one of her friends. It bounces off of his head. Interesting. Yeah, he can't catch very well. Is that the whole game? You toss and then you catch? Well, yeah. Hmm. Have you ever heard of a game called Giant in the Pit? No, that doesn't sound very fun, though. It depends. I heard Um, giants are mean and I heard pits are terrible. Why would you combine the two? How would that possibly be fun? Well, for one thing, it's training. We, we train to fight giants because there are so many of them. But also, when your idiot brother, who is a jerk, and you know, pulls, pulls on your hair, mocks you for not having a mane, those, that kind of thing. Um, when he is the giant, it's very fun to shove him in the pit. Hey, whatever you say. Can I see the thing you throw? Uh, sure, I guess. She hands it to you. What is this called? It's called a chakra. Mm. Is it sized for their hands? Yeah, mostly. Maybe a little oh. bit big for them. Yeah, I, I hand it back. I reach down into my belt and pull out a throwing axe. Here. She just kind of looks at it. What do you want? Absolutely nothing. Well, that's not real. Everybody wants something. That's how this works. Well, I, I don't want anything from you. Although it would be nice if you took the axe, because I'm, I'm offering it to you, and that means you're kind of rude if you don't accept my gift. Well, I can be rude. That's true. But I wouldn't like it if you were rude, and I would be upset. It would make me feel bad. She just kind of looks at it. Do you- you realize that that's metal, right? Yes. You should keep it out of people's sight. And she kind of reaches out her hand cautiously, puts her hand around the handle of the axe. You sure? Mm-hmm. I guess. Thank you. There's nothing to thank me for. Thank you for talking to me of yourself. Okay. Well, we're going to go and play now. Have fun. And she, like, scampers over real quick and, like, kind of looks at the cat. Or looks at the lion. Pats it very gently, cautiously, and then runs off. And they go back to playing. Good boys. I say to both the lions, I have to come up with good names for you. <sighs> I then turn and um, I'll make a survival check. I'm pretty sure I can find their tracks pretty easy. You don't even need to. It's, it's, okay. The, you're strangers in a strange land. It's one of those things that's pretty easy to find. Okay. I start loping after them. Yep. You catch up not too long, to, pretty quickly. Uh, the rest of you, as you're wandering through the city, it's just a continued, like, you are not sure what you expected, but you did not expect a city to be this vibrant and full of life in the middle of a desert, especially when there's no, like, farms or vegetation uh, or anything like that here. Uh, but it definitely seems like there is a a good presence of uh, meat consumption. Uh, there is just a lot going on, and it is as, it's as busy as Highgate is. And that's saying something. But before too long, you guys can find uh, plenty of of sections for the inns. uh, There's plenty of places to stay. Uh, It's relatively cheap. uh, And it's very almost like Moroccan style. There's no open windows. There's no glass. uh, It's very much built out of the stone. And and, uh, as far as uh, that goes. Uh, But very comfortable as far as everything goes. Uh, They offer meals to you if you wish to have them. Uh, and it is spiced meats and, and definitely cool drinks, mostly alcoholic. But unless there's anything else specifically you guys want to do tonight. Okay. Joe. Yes. I'm trying to remember. I traded a stick for something last. Obsidian knuckles. Get, 
I don't think I have those in my inventory. Did you add them? I did not. I'll take care of that once. Okay. All right. I was like looking through my stuff and going, I'm missing something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Give me a. I know I forgot something. Mm -hmm. All right. While I'm taking care of that, is there anything else anybody else wanted to do? Quint is just finding something to drink, preferably non-alcoholic, but if there's like kombucha or something like that, alcoholic, she'll yeah, have that. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of that. Uh, and you guys can spend a companionable evening if there's nothing else you want to do. I will note that Ron has kind of been keeping a close eye on all the different tables so she could, if she had to, shape change in one of these, some of these weird different races. Okay. Out of curiosity, what languages do they speak? Do they all speak common? or So everybody does speak a version of common um, or under common. Uh, everybody looks like they have their own specific races, uh, racial specific languages. Um, if you speak Elven, the Elven that they speak here is adjacent to it. Uh, it is not quite the same, but it is also not too far off. Um, you could probably 13 Warriors it, and if you spend enough time with it, you could try to figure it out. Same thing with the Halflings and the Dwarves. Um, the one that's the most alien is the Yanti one. It's a lot of, of hissing, a lot of, uh, long consonants, uh, which is something that you're not too terribly familiar with. But other than that, doesn't seem too, too odd. All right. Anything else? Quint is also keeping an eye on the elves, like a half an eye on the elves. Any elves that she sees immediately kind of draw her attention. Yeah. And then weird looking. They are definitely strange looking to you. Um, they don't seem to pay you any mind. They don't seem to care uh, that you are a full-eared elf or anything like that. But it definitely seems like... You know what? Give me a survival check. You would pro you might have an idea of this. Survival? 21? So near as you can tell, and, and this is probably a... It, it's a guess, but it seems like a good guess. It seems like they might be trying to ritualistically like streamline themselves. Um, they're hairless. So there's nothing to grab onto there. They might also be doing the same thing with their ears because, you know, in combat, it is not uncommon for somebody who's used to fighting elves to try to grab their ears if they can't get a hold of anything else and try to wrench them. Uh, so it might be a survival thing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. If I, nobody else has anything else, the night passes rather peacefully. Uh, there's sweet scents and incense burning throughout the city. Uh, there's definitely a nightlife here and you can hear a constant sound of night, uh, and people doing commerce or traveling, going to, to bars or restaurants, singing and, and everything else. It's soothing in a way because you are used to cities. Some, well, some of you are used to cities and it feels like that. It doesn't feel too far devolved or removed from it. There's a familiarity there, but morning comes, uh, you are, Woken up uh, by the clean the person that's going to clean your your room. Uh, as soon as the sun breaks, they're pretty pretty early risers, um, and you can make your way over to where the caravans get ready for their daily their daily trips out and see if you can find one. Yay! All right, let's go. All right, so you make your way over to the edge of the city, uh, where it looks like there are a bunch of uh, stables and, and carts and everything like that. Uh, it looks like there are uh, sea lion walrus type looking creatures as well as ones that look like uh two-headed uh camels uh things that are slightly bigger and hairier which is odd to you but it must offer some form of protection from the heat and the sand uh and you see there's a ton of of people trying to bargain and, and hire on mercenaries um and i want everybody to make me a 
uh, for lack of a better term, a notice check, uh, perception check. I rolled a natural 20 for a 29. Jesus. Okay. I got a, I got a 24. I got a 9. <laughs> I got a 14. I, I also got a 14. Got a five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think anybody's going to beat uh, our resident natural 20 on that one. Uh, you actually notice uh, off to one side with what looks like uh, his own little cart. Uh, and his own looks like one of those two-headed uh, camel-looking things. A rather posh-looking dwarven man, uh, hair tied back neatly into braids, uh, looks like a very trim... Uh, is he one of the dwarves beard. that we noticed no. when we got here? He's nope. a normal. He's a dwarf like more. He is. He looks like he is from out of town, very distinctly from out of town, wearing clothes like you would see back home. Uh, just a much much nicer. Uh, looks like he's got one of those adventurers like pit helmet type things on. Um, big giant horn rim glasses. Uh, riding. Oh God, it's Hemet Nessingwary. Kinda, but not 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 as rough and tumble. Separate and legally distinct. Exactly. Uh, but he's got his he's got riding pants on, tall boots. Uh, it looks like he's wearing a silk shirt that's slightly open. Uh, and he's trying to, like, get all this stuff onto his cart. Uh, and he's grumbling to himself, but he doesn't look like he's he's hiring on anybody or or rather not actively trying to bark at others. He seems like he might be uh, a fish out of water. Uh, as are we all. I'll, I'll point him out kind of quietly to the rest of the party. That one looks a bit out of place. Perhaps he might like some help in his trek across the desert. I don't know if we want to go with people that are inexperienced. No, you see he's dropping mm. things every now and then. And like He drops like this a stack of books, and that seems to upset him the most. <laughs> and he's brushing the books off and shaking them out, trying to get all the dirt and dust out. And He doesn't exactly look like a fighter. Or somebody that's really familiar with the desert. I, I kind of feel bad for him. Out of place here. Alone. He's all by himself. There's no one else nope. around. It does not look like there's anybody else on the uh, helping him out. I'll go help. Okay. He uh, seems startled I'll, as you I'll walk follow, over. I'll, I'll follow Yordle. Okay. And I'll, I guess I'll catch, cast uh, Mage Hand and help pick up books. And he like, jumps with a start. <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, my little friend. You look like you need some help. Uh, uh, sure, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't have any money. You don't have any money? Well, never mind. Well, you're and not... I continue to help him pick up books. Oh, you're not here to try to rob me? I don't think so. Are we here to try and rob him? No, we aren't here to try and rob anybody. Oh. I think. Oh, oh, oh. Well, good, 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 good. Thank you. Uh, hi, I, I'm, I'm Wernir. I, I've come I... from the far north to, uh, well, seek fortune and fame. So far, all I've found is dust and dirt and sand, and it itches quite a lot. Yes, it's rough and coarse, not like you. No, not even not not even close. No. And it gets there. It really does. I thought they were lying when they said that. <laughs> but, but who are you? I am Yordle. Like Maya sauntered up now, like since everyone else is there. Maya sauntered up, and she has her scythe like up over both shoulders, and like her arms up around it. So she's kind of like leaning, kind of with a, like almost like a post or something. Mm-hmm. So of course the giant scythe blade is going straight up in the air. Uh, she's just kind of looking at him. Right, then she looks big. At, she looks at Quint, and then she looks at Yordle, and she looks at Ron, and is like, "Why are we here? I didn't, I didn't think I was listening." I don't know. Are we taking the cart? We're supposed we, we to be out looking for something. Them. Weren't we looking for a cart? 
or some other way to get across the desert? We need to get to that jungle. You, are you going to the oh, jungle he, city? You, you say jungle, and he perks up. Oh, you're going into the jungles as well? Well, we're going to the jungles. Yes. Oh, um, and he kind of, like, looks around and kind of, like, hushedly moves forward and, like, I may have lied earlier. I do have some money. Can I hire you? To do what? I'm looking for a lost temple inside the jungles of Saratash. See, I'm I'm from the Empire, and there's the college there has had many of stories and rumors of of an ancient, well dug in temple that has been lost to time, and I wish to find it and study its secrets. You don't give me my doctorate for sure, but nobody would come with me, and well. Yeah, I am. But if you're going into the jungle too, perhaps I can, well, beg you along. A temple of whom? Of what? I don't know! It's a delightful mystery. All they know is that it was important hundreds and hundreds of years ago, some form of ceremony or ritual place. This is a very dangerous trek to be made alone, even to get this far, I would think. Ah, yes, but but knowledge is worth it. And if I can find something that has been lost, and again, they don't know what it is, that's even better for me. If I find something nobody has heard of before, well, the name of Werner Dragonhelm will be their household name. I'll be famous. It'll be great. Do you have a helm on? No, not even close. Did you lose it? Lose what? The Dragonhelm. Oh, it's my family name. Does somebody in your family have such a helm? I mean, possibly generations ago. But why do you... I mean, that would be like if I... I don't understand. Why would you call yourself something if you don't have it? Like, I look really upset by this. He, at this point, uh, Werner looks at the rest of you. Um, uh, could I do an insight check on him? Do I believe him? Is he being earnest? Go right ahead. Make an insight check. Insight check. That's uh, 15 on the dice. Insight. And I have plus 9 insight. <laughs> Yeah, he's got, like, a negative one on deception, so, like, you're fine. Uh, no, he's 100% telling the truth. He is literally just a fish out of water. He he looks like a scholar, smells like a scholar, uh, reads like a scholar. He will probably get himself killed on whatever journey he's he's moving into. Um, but he's he's on the up and up. Uh, and he uh, he's like, look, I, I, I have something that might help you as well if you're going into the jungle. See, I can actually get through the barrier. And he pulls out this small little onyx gem from around his neck, from under his shirt. This will allow me, very, very briefly, to get through the barrier. You can't find Quint that. Quint is now day. interested. But... Can I, can I see the gem? No. You may use your eyes, but I'm not going to hand it to you. And I thought we were friends. Brian is just going to straight up say, well, I trust him. He needs help. We're going in the same direction. I see no reason. We shouldn't travel together. Quint looks at him. Do you know how to defend yourself? Oh, quite. Uh, I've taken, well, three lessons. And he, like, stands in, like, an old pugilist-style stance, and it is awkward and terrible. Um, As you're looking him over, you notice he doesn't have any weapons whatsoever on him. Um, He's he's about as prim and proper as you can possibly get as far as dwarves go. Quint looks at at May, kind of. I've won half of a boxing match. I think I'm ready. Does one how, win how half does, of a boxing match? How does one win half of a fight? Well, you see, I made it through the first round, and then I don't remember what else happened, so therefore I can't possibly have been defeated. <laughs> you really should wear the helmet. But, it would help. Uh, clearly the, the blows to your head wouldn't have hurt as much and wouldn't have done 
the damage they must have done to you if you had worn the helmet. You should find the helmet. If one of your ancestors had it, you should definitely get it back. But I'm okay with going with strange little dwarf man. You're you're our. I don't know the difference between male and female dwarves. I'm sorry. Uh, I I am. I definitely am a he him. Yes. Okay. Thank you. But I I finished picking up all the books and say, and I know spare the dying, so you'll be fine. Oh well, that would probably be much much more useful. Yes. But yeah, I'm I'm about to head off, and if if you'd like to join me, by all means. I assume that everybody introduces themselves at some point because I think the uh, yeah yeah I I actually yeah. never do. <laughs> I just kind of walk around like, oh, of course he they, whatever he he knows what I am. I'm right here. All right. Okay. Uh, um, and he pats the uh, the pack animal. Uh, this is Bertrand. Uh, he will be dragging the cot. Um, I like him. Wait, wait. He's got a name. Of course. Oh, it would have been better if we went through the desert on a thing with no name, but okay. He cocks his head to the side. <laughs> oh, well, if you, if everybody is ready, we can we can head off. I just, uh, we'll, we're going to kind of go a little bit around everybody else. I don't want them to see that we have, an, well, when we open up the barrier, I don't want anybody else to see it. Okay. Is the barrier around the town? I thought it was closer to the jungle. Am I remembering that wrong? You are remembering correctly. You are going to have to go, uh, it's about maybe half a day's journey from the city. Um, it is the distinct barrier between the two, uh, the jungle and the desert. But as you guys head out, unless there's anything else you want to do. Uh, do we have, like, rations and stuff for a trip through the jungle? Oh, yeah, you know, he, he's actually fully fully stocked. He looks like he yeah. has enough food, uh, sealed jugs of water, like wax sealed, um, mm-hmm. and everything else for 20 people for, like, three weeks. It looks like he overbought oh, on rations. Yeah. Like, he, he has no idea what he's doing, but he knows that food and water is important, so he bought that. Smart. In a way. Yeah, it should be you, you high can, intelligence, low wisdom. Exactly what he is. Um, so as you guys start making your way through, uh, Bertrand pulls the cart, and there's places for uh, a few of you to sit if you want uh, on the cart itself. Uh, he's actually behind, like, the, the actual, like... Uh, pack animal itself. There's a little tiny driver's seat, and he's on top of it. And it looks like he actually does have some skill in handling animals, um, as Bertrand responds to him very well. Uh, and you guys can start making your way through. Uh, the day as the sun gets higher does become hotter and hotter. Uh, but as you start getting closer to the barrier, you start noticing a shift. So where before the heat was dry and sort of like if you've ever been to Vegas or or like the deserts of California, it's that dry heat. But as you get closer to the barrier, you start noticing a few things. The barren land starts giving way to desert shrubbery uh, and it starts increasing in size and frequency uh, as you get closer to what you assume is the barrier. It also starts to get a little more humid. You start feeling moisture in the air. And it isn't long before you start seeing this giant shimmering wall of force, uh, maybe a couple miles off in the distance. And you can see the jungle pressed against it. It is not just an esoteric barrier of magic. It is a physical barrier as well. And as you get closer and closer, more of that shrubbery, more of that greenery starts to, to creep into the desert. And you can see that there looks like there are little nomad villages or or 
tent city t- style places, uh, dotting the different various areas where there must be a, like some form of oasis or enough plant life to support a small group of people. Uh, and you would imagine that this is where some of the wanderers that have come into and out of the city that you observed yesterday uh, probably make uh, at least temporary camp. And as you get closer to the barrier, he starts veering off a little bit away from what looks like the well-worn path between the city and the barrier itself. Um, and it looks as you get closer, that path then skirts around it, probably heading off towards one of the coasts where there's likely a port city to try to take somebody around to the long end of the island. Um, it gets closer to the barrier, closer to the barrier. You can actually feel the thrum of arcane energy uh, that exists. It's almost like if you've ever been close to an electric fence, you can hear the whine of it. And that's kind of what it is. So any of you that are like arcane sensitive at all, you feel it. Uh, you can feel it deep within you. Those of you that aren't and just have heightened senses, you can hear the whine of it. Uh, it is slightly annoying. But as you get closer, uh, Wernier hops off of the cart uh, and looks at everybody. All right, well, I can open the way. Uh, don't touch the sides. And uh, once the cut is through, uh, get through before the hole closes. Mm-hmm. Uh, any Smart, smart. Any, any concerns, questions? What happens if you touch the side? Oh, um... He reaches into his pack, takes out a chunk of uh, what looks like dried meat, and throws it at the barrier, and it instantaneously vaporizes. Uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Would have eaten that. Don't touch the sides. Uh, okay then. Keep your hands and arms inside the cart. Got it. Yeah, and you see Tubi, and and it pops out of your like uh, work bib, and just kind of like looks at you and looks at like the the barrier, and then tucks back in. All right. He approaches the barrier cautiously. And he takes the gem from around his neck, uh, and he holds it in his hand, and he starts casting a spell, something you would assume that he had some magical inclination, um, but he starts casting and speaking in a language that you don't know, uh, and the gem starts to float and then make its way over to the barrier itself. And it starts as the small black speck on the barrier that gets bigger and bigger and bigger over the course of several minutes. And... As it finishes opening up the way, it almost looks like a warlock portal from uh, World of Warcraft where, you know, you have those uh, where the demons would come in and you have the hands stretching the fabric of reality. That's kind of what it looks like, except it looks like little tiny points of the stone have uh, are acting as a, a barrier to, well, the barrier, keeping it from being able to collapse in, at least for now. Uh, and we're near says, ah, right, brilliant. OK, and he scrambles up on the cart and come on, Bertrand, come on cracks his whip and and Bertrand takes off at a, a pretty good clip uh, through the hole that has been made. Quint hustles after. All right. It doesn't take long after the cart's through that the hole does start to shrink. I assume everybody goes through. Yeah, I'm basically yeah. following the cart. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nobody dawdles. Uh, and then the barrier winds up closing behind you just as the last of you gets through. And the gem re- like solidifies itself into its small form and zips back to his hand. And you are now in the jungles of Satesh. Will that get us out of here as well? Well, as long as I don't die or it doesn't get lost, yes. I can get us back through as well, yeah. Good. That's, that sounds ideal, yes. Uh, I agree. I would prefer not to die. It seems like that would be <laughs> double ungood. And as you... Usually. Usually. Yeah. Uh, he starts looking at the dense jungle ahead of him. Right, um... We, I have a map-ish, and he pulls out... Did we have a... Did we actually have a map? Nope. Okay. Oh, wow, so we got nothing from Hatterai about... They gave we you They gave oh, okay. you a general direction, 
Okay. Uh, and that was pretty much it. He didn't have a map. They were ex- remember they were expecting that we would actually take the uh, ship all the way there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah. So because of the events that happened with the harpies and the damage that the ship took, you weren't. It wasn't expected that you'd have to take this route. So okay, okay. And it's not called the Lost Temple for no reason. Yeah. Hatteray's been here before. Hatteray D and Bob have actually been there before. Bob gave you like a weird like crayon drawing. <laughs> that he called a map, but it literally just is a bunch of drawings of like plants, a brown box in the middle that says temple, uh, and like a little dotted line in red crayon with that like goes from this city to there with no sense of scaling or anything whatsoever. He was very proud of his work, but it is not helpful in the slightest. Um, but Bertrand pulls out what looks like an actual map scroll and he has a, a little compass, uh, and it looks Actually, Mirzi would probably pick up on this. It is definitely a tinkerer's compass. It is not made from standard materials. It actually looks like it's crafted out of black obsidian. Uh, it looks like it has a yellow, brackish liquid inside of it. And at the center of it looks like a golden needle. Uh, and he pulls out the map and he places it down uh, on the seat, puts the compass on it, and the compass snaps to a direction almost instantaneously upon touching the map, uh, and he adjusts ever so slightly. Right. Uh, straight ahead, it looks like. Um, I think we should be okay, and if I, my calculations are correct, uh, we will get there just before nightfall. Um, well, if... And he kind of looks back at the vegetation. Uh, well, if we can get through this. Possibly longer. I don't know. I've, I've not done this before. So, who wants to take point? I guess I will. I would also like to take point and just sort of scout ahead a little if I can. And I have the Cloak of Elvenkind, which I assume I attune to overnight. Absolutely. And I'm going to put the hood up. Yep. So, uh... Yeah, I'm you get advantage stealthy. on your stealth rolls. Yeah. So are you I'm going already to try to, pretty stealthy. Are you going to try to ghost th- uh, ghost ahead and operate as, like, a uh, forward scout? Yes. Alright, give me that. And, like, if there's an easy path or a harder path, I'd like to try and catch that. Okay. So what am I what am I rolling for? You? Uh, so you're gonna roll stealth with advantage because you are you are moving ahead quietly and stealthily. Uh, that's a twenty three on a pretty bad roll. Uh, so you are just a ghost. Nobody's passive perception is high enough to see you. You just see Ron kind of like nod out of existence into the into the brush and trees. Um, and I I will I will note before I vanish. I'll I'll scout ahead <laughs> so I don't just completely vanish and no one knows. Sure. All right. Uh, I'm going to follow me. All right. And you guys can start uh, basically carving a path. It is pretty dense. It does not look like there is a a good solid path here. You look back and it does look like uh, Wernier had the wherewithal to modify the cart to not get stuck on brush. It rides high. It looks like it has a leaf spring uh, as far as its suspension goes. It does actually have a suspension. Uh, so it can handle a lot of it just fine. You just kind of find yourself cutting away uh at least some of the branches or pulling them back and you guys can head forward. Um, Yordle, you can actually feel tons of life here. Uh, there's also tons of decay. The cycle is strong here. Um, and you can kind of pick up almost preternaturally uh, on places where prey animals have taken down or, or have been taken down uh, by predators uh, and are slowly be de- either decomposing or have been picked clean and returning to the life of the jungle. Uh, and you do feel... Actually, you know what? Roll me a perception check, Yordle. Perception or nature? You know what? Give me a nature check. Nature would probably be... Oh. 
Something feels off about the jungle in terms of being, quote unquote, nature. Uh, you've been through forests, you've been through swamps, you've been through a ton of different areas. Hell, you've traveled technically through the, the astral plane and seen some of the more uh, strange, almost alien-like locations. Uh, and this actually reminds you a little bit of some of those, where there almost feels like there's an intelligence there. So, But you can't quite put your finger on it, but you, you can't shake the feeling that something is watching you, or at least acknowledging your presence here. But as you move forward, uh, you're cutting the path pretty pretty easily, I would say. Uh, Ron, I'm going to go ahead and need you to make me a perception check, please, since you are on the lookout. 17 plus 9, so 26. Okay. You're able to identify a couple places of snap vines or creeping vines, uh, areas of, there are still quicksand here, uh, because there is, it's still an area that, that, that can happen in. Uh, and you sort of pop that in and out of stealth. I'm not going to make you keep re-rolling. Um, <laughs> to kind of guide everybody. Uh, and you're able to find a pretty good path to keep you on to where you're... Uh, I'm going to need May and Quint to also make perception checks as well. Okay. Big seven. 25. Quint, you catch something out of the corner of your eye after one of your uh, course changes, thanks to, uh, thanks to Ron. You swear you've seen movement. Something following alongside of you, but it, you can't make out any shapes. She kind of leans over to May. I think we're being tailed. Tell what? Hmm. Uh, without like looking or anything, I drop my head a little and say, "Roughly what direction?" Which direction, Joe? So when you noticed it, it was off to your left hand side. Hmm. Can you right. smell anything? Uh, I didn't roll well on my perception check, so I probably don't. No, the the cacophony of of senses is, is a little too much. Way too much here. Yeah. Hmm. Just keep an eye over there. I'm going to make a survival check to see if I see any tracks of anything that look would look like predatorial. Yeah, go for it. 17. Oh, yeah, tons of things that look like they would be predators, but anything larger. big enough to... So there's the stuff here that's big enough to be a threat. Uh, very much so. Actually, you find a... As you're looking around, you actually see that one of the, the divots that the uh, cart winds up in is actually a gigantic footprint. Uh, of a creature that you've never seen before. Um, there are larger things here. You have heard stories of uh, what they call thunder lizards that live in the forest or in the jungle. Uh, nobody has really given a good description of what that is, uh, but that they come out of nowhere, uh, that they you know have preternatural strength, and but you can usually see them coming or hear them coming from very far off. Well, definitely... In a hunting ground. Great. Yep. All right. So because of that, I'm going to say that they don't get a surprise round, but I am going to need everybody to roll me an initiative, please. Oh, no. Okay. Quint rolled a 10. Dinar is 16. Yordle a 9. 22. Jersey got a 20. What's May get? 11. And let's see where... That is a natural 1. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> it is incredibly appropriate. All right. Uh, so technically, Ron, you're going to go ahead and get to go first. Um, there's this burst of motion uh, as like it looks like the jungle itself starts to come to life. Uh, and you notice small figures, sm smaller than you, uh, start to head towards the rest of the group. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to come around and follow them. I need to know. 
Uh, I don't want to attack if they aren't obviously attacking yet. You're going to hold your action then? I am going to hold, I'm going to get up as close as I can behind them and uh, hold an attack until they make a hostile motion, a hostile action. Okay. Uh, Merzy, you are alerted to, again, the jungle starts to shake, um, but you don't see anything too obvious yet. Uh, is there anything you want to do or anything you want to do before combat since you are the next in the order? I will take silence as a maybe. Silence as a well. If I maybe I can do that. I, um, um, I'm gonna watch. Okay, so you're gonna hold your action too. Do you want to ready? I'm gonna a... hold my action. Yeah. Do you want to ready a spell or anything like that? I was gonna do one thing, but I think I want to do something else. Make sure I can even do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have been sitting with the cart. Um, so if something comes close to the cart, I'm going to, I'm going to cast Minor Illusion, and if something comes close to the cart, I'm going to make the cart make this giant sound come out of the, the, like the center, it sounds like it's going to come from the center of the cart, like there's something hidden on the cart. They'll come out and eat them. Alrighty then. Alright, so they're next in the initiative. On their turn, uh, what winds up happening is you see... What looks like plants sort of, like, explode out from the underbrush, uh, and it looks like they are wearing loincloths uh, and are bipedal and have spears and bows uh, and are screaming in a language that nobody knows, uh, and they are going to take some uh, spear shots and some bow shots at everybody. So if anybody has had their held action, now is the time that they would do that. Uh, yeah, I am going to attack the one that I'm closest to. They're making a move on the party. All right, go ahead and roll me an attack roll. You're going to get advantage because I do not know you were there. Stab a plant. Stabbing plants. Uh, that's a natural 20. <laughs> plus, oh. plus eight. Yeah, okay, so that definitely hits. Uh, go ahead and roll a whole ton of damage. Uh, yeah, that is going to be a lot of damage. Okay, base is... My base damage is... Oh. Don't forget your sneak attack. Yep. I know there's so much damage. Uh, I'm just gonna roll that in D and D Beyond because I do not have that many dice in front of me. Uh, so, uh, ah, that's nine damage from the attack, an additional fifteen from sneak attack. Okay. Uh, and this, you have a you have a second attack too, don't you? Um, I'm going to use whales from the grave which is a phantom thing, which lets me do 2d6 psychic to a second target after I've done sneak attack damage. Okay. So, so this just to the next nearest, and uh, that's five damage. Okay. Did you double everything from the crit? Oh, I didn't double every. Do I double the sneak attack damage too? Double everything that's a dice roll. Yeah, uh, so it was 19 plus five doubled. Yeah, so generally speaking, it's weapon damage that gets it, so you don't double like your your strength okay. or agility bonus. It's uh, but any the dice itself get doubled. So, but the sneak attack dice get doubled or not? I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. Okay, the so dice it's... do, but the bonus doesn't. Correct. Okay, uh, so that's thirty damage from sneak attack, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen damage from the attack itself. Okay, so. Y- Anything left of this creature? No, this thing eviscerates. Uh, so you see Ron 
uh, just kind of meld out of the, sh- out of the, the forest, like the predator and just like jam one of her, her blades straight through this thing and rip it out through the side. Uh, and it just explodes. Uh, it is no longer living. However, uh, I'm going to need you to make a constitution saving throw, please, Ron. Okay. Constitution. That's a 13 plus one, 14. That is exactly what you needed to survive. Oh. Uh, as a cloud of spores bursts from this thing uh, in your vicinity, and it causes you to, to sort of choke and uh, cough and wheeze for a few moments, but you have killed one of them. Uh, and as it sort of like falls to the ground, you look down and notice that it looks like it is just made purely out of mold. That's new. And uh, so I hit the next nearest one with whales from the grave, which is just kind of drawing yep. on the energy of death to kind of pull its life force out. And that was just five damage. Yep, already got that in there. You have a second attack, don't you? Um, I do. I was trying to figure out if whales from the grave is a bonus action. It is just something you can do as a result of it. It's, so a, it's listed as a special. Okay, I will attack the next one. That's uh, 15 plus. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, that, that uh, yeah. Uh, okay, that is uh, that's just one d eight plus something. That's a three plus five, so that's a straight eight. Okay, uh, we'll say that that goes to the other one that you already uh, attacked, making yeah. it a little bit easier. Uh, as you sort of just like cut into this one uh, that was happened to be right next to his buddy. Um, is there anything you want to do as far as a bonus action goes? I uh, know the the second hand attack would be the bonus action. Okay, so you are in combat. Um, Marzi, you're up, because you had a held action as well. Um, I'm casting the um, minor illusion to, and then jumping up and um, going, as the sound (laughs) explodes out of the center of the cart around me in kind of to scare. All right, so I'm going to say that that will allow you to make an intimidation check, and I will give you advantage, because they don't know what the source of it is, and therefore, that is new and weak. (laughs) It's an 11, plus 2, that's 13. All right. Uh, One of them seems to take offense to this and runs away. Uh, The rest of them are fine. All right, so now they're going to attack. That means that there are eight of them left. Is is the one that's running away, does he run past me out of my range. Uh, why don't you roll me a d6 and call evens or odds. I'm uh, gonna go even. And that's a one. So no, so he one. runs in the opposite direction. Okay. Smart guy. Smart guy. Okay. Uh, so two out of the eight hit with their spears as they chuck them in. Uh, that is going to be a d6. Random folks. Or how many of you right now? I'm just going to roll a dice to determine one. There are exactly eight targets. Uh, uh, this one's going to go into Dinar. He will take six points of damage as a very crude spear is chucked at you. The last one is going to go on Wernair, who takes a solid hit. Oh, my sensibilities! Alright. Next up on the list after them is, well, Dinar. Okay. Uh, how far away are they from me? Probably about 20 feet. So, as a bonus action, I'm going to cast Elemental Gift from your flying speed. So, my bottom half, my legs kind of disappear, become kind of a swirling tornado. You do the genie thing. Exactly. And then (laughs) I'll move up into the air about 40 feet. So, about 60 feet from them. And then I'm going to use my new uh, Entangling Wand. Okay. And 
they have to make a strength. So it, it does a 20-foot area of effect on the ground. So I'm going to try and aim that to hit them without hitting anyone else if I can. Sure. Well, we'll say that you can hit, uh, since they're attacking from both sides, uh, you'll just have to pick a side. I assume you're going to pick the one that Ron's not on. I can evade stuff, which you would probably know if you wanted to okay. hit my side. But also, right. Ron has taken one out, and so that means there's only three on that side? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I will hit the side where I get the most of them. Okay. And since I know she can evade, it, it's, yeah. So whichever side hits the most, and it's a strength-saving throw with a DC of 13. All right, uh, so you hit a side, you hit four of them. Uh, two fail, two succeed. All right. Uh, those that failed are restrained. All right. So on their next turn, they'll try to make a strength check to escape it. Yeah, and, um, yeah, they don't take damage. They're just restrained. Okay. They seem to, uh, not like this, but also, like, not hate it either. It's kind of weird. Mm. They're, they're chittering, but they're like, okay, this is fine. All right. Uh, any bonus actions or anything like that? Uh, my bonus action was when I did your genie thing. Flying okay. speed. Yeah. All right. May, you're up next. These things smell Awful. How close are they? 20 feet away, they were just chucking spears. I'll move up to 10 feet away from them. Okay. And uh, I'll pull out the scythe. Oh, I should say that 20-foot area is now... Uh, uh, what's that ground called? Uh, difficult terrain? That's it. I forgot the word. But yeah. It for difficult, difficult terrain, terrain for us, too? Uh, for everybody. For everyone, yes. So it'll take me 20 feet of movement to get to them, but that's fine. I have uh, 45. I was going to say, you should be good. Uh... I'm going to bonus action embiggen myself. All right. You uh, you go uh, in that chuck on everybody. Got it. I'm going to attack the closest one with the pole arm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so 25 hit. Decidedly hits. Yep. Okay. I'm just going to roll the second. Ooh, seven. Uh, I'm going to add the 1d6 to this. Okay. Now, you're going after the ones on Ron's side or the the ones that, that got entangled, right? Yeah, the ones that came to the, towards the cart. Okay. Well, they, they all did for two different sides. Woot. So eight points total. That's still still a hit. Okay. I'm assuming that guy's still up. Oh, very much. Yeah. He's didn't like it, but he's still alive. We'll try again. That's a 12. That does not hit. Okay. That's it for me then. Okay. Actually, I'm going to use 10 feet of movement to go back five feet so that if they try to come at me, they'll have to re-enter my threatened square. Sure. And give me an attack of opportunity on them. Totally makes sense. Okay. Uh, next up is Quint. Okay. Um... May, did you go for the ones on Ron's side or the other side of the cart? I assume the other side of the cart because Ron seems to be doing fine with the one she's got. Okay, I'm going to go to Ron's side of the cart then so that there's one of us on both sides. And I'm going to pop Arms of the Astral Self. Okay. Uh, so They're far enough away that I don't think it hits them. It's a uh, well, I was going to move up to them within 10 feet of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so anything within 10 feet of me must succeed on a dex saving throw. All right. What's your DC? 14. One succeed. Okay. The ones that don't, they take 2d6 force damage. Please roll me some beautiful 2d6. Hang on. That's okay. <laughs> they take three damage a piece. Alrighty. And then I'm going to focus on one of them and strike. Okay. Uh, there is one that is definitely bloodied uh, that Ron is in combat with. And then two that look they're not engaged yet. Which one would you like to go for? One of the ones that's not engaged yet, because Ron looks like she can take care of herself. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to do Arms of the Astro Self attack. All right. That's a 20. That definitely hits. Okay. That's five damage. Okay. 
And then for my second attack, I'm just going to do an unarmed strike. Okay. Ten? Uh, does not hit. Okay. Anything and else? I'm going to back off a little bit if I can. Yeah, absolutely. And um, patient defense. Okay. That brings us down to Yordle. Uh, is there still several of them together at all? Uh, they're roughly clumped in a 20-foot area. Okay. Then I will target that 20-foot area with Erupting Earth. Okay. And what does Erupting Earth do? Fountain of Churned Earth and Stone erupts in a 20-foot cube. Each creature makes dex saving. Okay. What's your DC? Uh, 14. Uh, two of those are going to be a disadvantage. Oh, I can roll a one or a two on damage. Uh, all right. All four of them fail. All four of them fail. Uh, what a shame for them. They will take a bunch of damage. Joe, by the way, I didn't take patient defense because that's a bonus action, and I already took a bonus action to that, uh, that's do fine. arms of the astral self. Yeah. They take 17 damage. All right. One explodes. Oh, God. Uh, there's nobody close enough to actually wind up in the spore cloud, so that's fine. That means that there are six six of them left. Uh, marking down that damage for all the rest of them. That was a huge hit. Good job. Any additional actions? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, near is now up. As my cat decides that she is going to try to find the bag. Uh, let's see here. Huh. Yeah, that seems fun. Uh, so he makes uh, a few ha- motions with his hands. Uh, and you see him take a stone out of his pocket. And the stone starts to levitate in his hand. And it just fires off at one of the ones that are, are entangled right now. Uh, let's see. It fails its deck save. 3d8 bludgeoning damage. Jeez. Uh, so he explodes one of the ones uh, that is uh, entangled uh, as this rock just like barrels through this thing's head and just completely explodes it. Uh, that means there are only two on that side. Quint is impressed. And then you see he kind of looks really supremely windy. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. I'm rooting for you. All right. Which brings us back to the top of the order. That's Ron. Oh, <laughs> it's already me again. Um, <laughs> uh, the one directly in front of me, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's really low. That's nine plus eight. That hits. Oh, okay. And damage is. These are fungal, fungal people wearing loincloths. Their armor is not high. <laughs> uh, nine damage. Okay. Uh, that one is and... looking not great. That's the one that you damaged before. I'm going to do a second attack. Uh, that's a 19 plus 8, so that... I'm pretty sure we're good. Yep, that hits. And uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 damage on that one. Uh, so that one kills him. Uh, I need you to make a constitution saving throw, please. Ah, uh, yes. That's just a 9. Okay, that is not good enough, uh, which means you are now going to be in the poisoned condition. Uh, oh, boy. You are going to take some damage here. Okay, okay. Uh, you take seven points of poison damage as uh, this kind of like enters your lungs and you can feel the burning sensation of whatever it is, the, the spores that they released. Not great. Um, you can repeat your saving throw at the end of your next turn. Uh, okay. And then you see if you can drop the poison. Otherwise, you will uh, take some damage again next turn. All right. uh, next up is, unless there's any bonus actions. No, the second attack is the bonus action. Okay. Uh, Marzi, you're up. Okay. Um, so, we've got four left. Four left, two on each side. Two on each, oh, okay. Um, 
And one of the two on one of the sides looks really bad, right? Uh, the two on the left-hand side, the one that uh, May and Dinar were working on, uh, and now apparently Yordle as well, two of them look like they're they're bloodied. Okay. Um, I am going to cast Color Spray at them. Okay. So first thing to do is to see how many... Oh, you can get both of them. 37... Hit points of creatures that the spell can affect. Easily, <laughs> easily gets both of them. Creatures in a fifteen foot cone. Okay, so they are they are blinded. Yes. Um, and that is until the end of your next turn, I believe. Correct. All right, so they they are they are in the vines, blinded, uh, crying in a language that you can't understand, uh, and are very very upset. They are not happy. <laughs> it's not primordial, right? It is not primordial. No. Good. All right. That's Marisy's turn. Twinkle, twinkle, little color. <laughs> All right, it's their turn. Uh, the two that are blinded are going to try to get out of where they are so they can try to run away, uh, but they're going to do that at disadvantage. Uh, they are not going anywhere. That's um, one and a two for both of them. Uh, fantastic. Uh, the other two, one's going to take a swing on Ron. Uh, it is going to try to... Uh, it's going to take two swipes at you with its claws because it does not currently have its spear anymore. Okay. Uh, Ron, does a 19 hit you? It does. Okay, and I don't think a 16 hits you, right? It does. Okay, so both of those hit you. Okay. Uh, you are going to take a total of 10 damage. Okay. As this thing's gooey spore claws uh, sort of dig into you. Yeah. Uh, the other one is going to... Grab a rock and toss it at Merzy. Uh, that is a natural 20, I apologize. Uh, take, How dare you! Take eight points of damage as the thing plinks a rock off your head. Any rock. I am offended! It seems to understand you and screams something back. Alright. That is going to be Dinar. kind of tempted to just cast tongues and talk to them. Actually, let's do that. Ooh, I forgot okay. I have uncanny dodge next I, time. I, I cast tongues. And I say, uh, sorry about the others that uh, fell. They, uh, y'all were attacking. Is is there a way that we could pass through without any more? You killed Jeff! Why did you kill Jeff? You could look at him, he's dead! <laughs> and I uh, say, uh, yeah, the way this is going, the rest of you will be too if we don't pass. He kind of looks at you. No! No pass! Masatone! I uh, I let the rest of the group know what uh, was just said. Say no, I guess there's no other way out. And uh, that's my turn. He said, "Must what? Kill them? A must atone? Must atone? Yeah, that's what it sounded like, huh?" And the only person that heard that was Dinar. Yeah, but he just told us what yeah. they said. Yeah, and, yeah. Okay. Over the course of six seconds. All right, uh, that's going to bring it up to May. You're next. Okay, I'm going to step up. Yeah, the two um, are there's two that on your side are blinded and still restrained. Okay, so, well, I'm going to attack the first one, the one that said that we need to atone. <laughs> okay, uh, do it at advantage because, well, he's blind and restrained. Yeah, it's a 23. I'm going to roll again to see if I hit a 20. Yep. I did not, so I'll take the 23. Yep, super hits. Uh, I can re-roll ones and twos, so I'm going to roll that. Sure. So that became mm. a three. I don't, yeah, I don't know why, yeah, if I can't re-roll a three, so nine, so, I guess I'll, I'll add the 1d6. Okay. Um, I can tell you right now, don't bother. You're going to murder uh, this one. 
with what you okay. have. Then I will attack the other one. Okay. Say hello to Jeff, dirtbag. Yeah, it's a 24. I'm going to roll again just in case. Sure. As it dies, Dinar hears, I'm coming for you, Wheezy! <laughs> okay, 24 hits. Yep, absolutely hits. Uh, it takes 14 points of damage. That's enough to finish it off. All right, the other okay. one. Um, the other one is cut into goo. Um, you are you you have a ten foot reach, right? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't coming closer than that. That's the yep. weapon. I'm I just have to make sure. That's all. Uh, but how far away is it to the ones that Ron is fighting? About thirty feet. Okay, so ten feet of that will be difficult um, terrain. Different terrain. So it will take my full movement to get over there. But well, no, because I don't have to get to thirty feet. I only have to get to twenty feet. Correct. Okay, so I'll move to twenty feet over there. And I'll use my polearm master attack. Okay. Which is a 20. It's a dirty 20, not a natural 20, but a 20 nonetheless. Still hits. Uh, six points of damage for as I basically run over and just smash the butt of the uh, scythe into one of them. All right. Does not like that, but still alive. That's it. All right. That's going to be Quint's turn then. How many are left on Ron's side right now? Two. Okay. One that one move. that's currently engaged with Ron, Ron and one that's a little bit off that threw a rocket Mersey. Okay. Uh, how far away is the one that threw the rocket, Mersey? Eh, like five feet. Of, well, from you, like ten feet. Oh, that's fine. I got a ten foot reach with arms of the astral self, so I'm gonna take a whack at it. Go ahead. Twenty two. Yep, that hits. Four five damage and second attack. Gonna do the same thing. Yep, does not like it, but go ahead. Second attack is a thirteen. Does not hit. Okay. Um, and then hang on, I'm going over. My bonus action. Uh, let's do flurry blows. Why not? Okay, go for it. First hit is an eight. That does. That's a miss. Yep, that just glances off his gooey body. Second hit is a sixteen. That hits. Okay, and that's another six points of damage. He is not looking good. All right, and that's it for me. Yordle, you're up. I would like to whip one. You're I'm gonna thorn whip. You're gonna thorn whip one. All right. You're gonna go for the one that Ron's engaged with, or you're gonna go for the one that is. Uh, just got his face punched in a few times. Uh, let's go with the the one that just got his face punched in a few times. All right, go for it. Uh, does a 14, or is that a 20? That's, That's a, 20. a 20. 20 definitely hits. Wow. Snake eyes. Yep, okay. Damage. Still not looking good, though. Looking like he might be on death's door. I should have known better than to use plant magic against plants. <laughs> All right, any bonus actions? Uh, can I I'll bonus action a thorn whip again? Sure, go ahead. Definitely hits. 20, six more damage. Uh, all right. You wind up wrapping this thing around him a few times, and you just shred his throat from his head. Uh, nobody is close enough to get the spore, uh, which leaves just one left, the one that Ron is currently fighting. Uh, and let's see if Werner can recover. Nope. He is still winded, uh, which brings us to the top of the order. Ron, this is the last mm -hmm. one back. Uh, the last one alive is on you. So you are up. Uh, he looks pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely has taken some cuts. Not as bad as, as the last one. Technically, I'm threatening him. Oh, you are. I didn't move back this round, so I'm within, he is within my reach. I'm threatening him. Mm -hmm. uh, I rolled a really bad attack roll at 14. Uh, 14 hits. Uh, okay. Uh, I totally threw that out of my dice tray. That is the 10 damage. And okay. sneak attack, because May is engaged. That's 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 damage sneak attack. Okay. Uh, and then let me... Huh? 
It is barely, it is on death's door. Offhand, that's uh, 17 on the dice, so... That hits. Five, six, seven damage. All right, you finish eviscerating this thing as you just cut into it, and it's sort of like, it's almost like it loses uh, its ability to hold itself together. Uh, another con save, please. Actually, no, you're already poisoned, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You are still she still has to make a con save to get out of She poison. does. She's still going to take nine damage from being poisoned before, but now make your con save okay. to, to shake poison. I rolled a four, so no. Yep, you are still poisoned. But that with that, combat has ended. Uh, Wernier is still looking very, very winded after his one little uh, act of heroism. Uh, but you see these things sort of, like, dissolve. And if you didn't know any better, you would say that the spores are sort of going away or, or flying away on their own. Um, actually, Yordle, you probably would be pretty, pretty up-to-date on this type of stuff. Um, it looks like those spores are, of, like colonies of living things formed together into something and then when they got exploded or killed that they sort of broke apart and will probably whatever's left will probably go back to wherever their forming ground is and try to reform could and, i use uh locate plants on them uh you could give me the verbiage on locate plants describe or name a specific kind of beast or plant so you'd have to on. you'd have to identify what they are first then you'd have to know what they uh, are well, he could describe it. He just couldn't identify it. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's that describe or identify. Jeff. I mean, we know that one of them was named Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for plant Jeff. Right. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say that's good enough. You could. What you about can... Kevin and Bob and Stuart? <laughs> all right, you cast locate plant, and your radar is just pinging all over the place. It generally gives you a directionality. Uh, within a certain sphere of, of or area of effect, uh, it is going like crazy. You would imagine that if in that particular circumstance, these are probably a naturally occurring thing that's just part of this forest. Um, so those spores in general seem to be almost everywhere. So those spores are everywhere, mm -hmm. but they only came out in the six little guys. And you hear you hear wear and air from the the top of the cart. I think. Whew, I think uh, I'd have a book or something on that. Maybe I don't know. Do plants try to eat you regularly? That's that was not good. Quint looks at Werner. That was impressive, by the way. Oh, thank, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's me. Really impressive. <sighs> okay, I need a I need a nap. We should probably keep moving. Yep. Do uh, I hear any? Does anybody tend to run? By the way, she's still poisoned. Can, uh, can yeah, I is there? Is there something you can do to remove poison? I don't actually know. I don't so, have anything poison. I can cure wounds. So spells can remove effects, but you can also, I would say, because of who you are, Yordle, you could just make a medicine check or a nature check to see if you can just neutralize the spores. Okay, I'll do a medicine check then. Come here, friend. Oh, that's Yeah, run. <laughs> Somehow well, I give you more spores. <laughs> <laughs> run. Run's looking pretty beat up. I'll say roll, roll with advantage. Werner will, you know, assist. He's not he he's an alchemist by trade. He's not a he's not completely dumb when it comes to concoction. Gary's gonna open her jacket with all her test tubes and say, you know, I, I don't got anything like that. I'd say a ten is good enough. Uh, you basically eject uh, counter spores, uh, and it's almost like in inside of uh, inside of Ron, it's like a scene out of Osmosis Jones where the spores are fighting each other, uh, and eventually they all die, and Ron, you are no longer poisoned. Oh, huh? 
you. That feels better. All right. Well, Wainier is just like, I uh, expected animals. I didn't expect plant people. Duly noted. Shall we Shall we carry on? Yes. Yes, I think so. One of them talked about toning. Have you heard anything about that in your research? Well, I mean, I, I don't know what plants would be trying to do to make people atone, but... I'm assuming they wanted us to atone killing mm. Jeff. Mm. I, I mean, maybe. I mean, Yordle, that sounds a little weird to you because you get the impression that they don't actually really die. Mm. Unless they're, like, yeah. burned or somehow, like, the spores are completely eradicated. When we fought uh, them, they released themselves back into the air. And now they mm. are everywhere. They, we didn't truly kill any of them. Then we should probably... Uh, Joe, would Ron know anything about this kind of terminology from her time in the cult of Lilith? Like, is there anything in the cult about atoning for things since we're near the temple? I mean, to be fair, Lilith isn't exactly a cult that thinks it needs to atone for anything. So mm. probably not. Okay. I mean, they, the cult of Lilith thinks it's making a better world through murder. So, you know. Mm. All right. Uh, you guys can carry on. Uh, and as you do, you make your way through. the. It, you still feel the uneasiness of being watched, but it definitely feels like it's further away. Uh, whatever you just did, it seems like the jungle is aware of you and aware of the fact that you can probably, you know, smaller things are not exactly uh, going to be a threat to you. Uh, the sweltering heat and humidity here is as bad uh, as you've ever felt. Um, nobody's sick. Nobody is uh, suffering or anything like that. It's just very uncomfortable. You make your way through and a few more hours pass uh, and you start to see some of the jungle start to thin out, almost as if you're coming up on something that may have been cut away. Ron, I need you to go ahead and make me a perception check, please. That's a 19 plus 9. <laughs> you are incredibly perceptive. So you start to I pick intend. <laughs> You start to pick up on it before anybody else, but as you look down, you start to see what looks like actual cobblestone worn over and, and reclaimed by nature to a certain extent, but definitely something man-made. And you point it out to everybody else, and the cart starts having a little bit of an easier time, and the vegetation gets a little lighter, uh, and it doesn't have to be cut away nearly as much. And then you guys see it. A giant pyramid-like structure uh stepped and, and covered in, in moss. It is definitely man-made. It looks like there are uh, fire pits dotted along it that are burning currently, and you can hear the faint echo of drums, uh, and it sounds like a ritualistic chant just on the corners of the, or the edge of your, your hearing perception. Not that May is any kind of expert on this, so she probably wouldn't be able to tell, but what the heck. Does it look like the place we left? Like in terms of his architecture, completely like if different. I saw, okay, that's so there you go. So the place you you would notice this just because it's pretty obvious. So in put it in real world terms for description, back in the desert area, it's very Egyptian pyramid, not not set very smooth as far as sides go. Here, this is very almost Aztec like, uh, very steeped and stepped, very looks like carved out of like stone as opposed to carved stone being placed. Um, it almost looks like, yeah, I, I guess it really would be the best way to put it is it looks like an old Aztec pyramid, uh, but it is tall. It is very, very tall, uh, easily 10 stories up. It looks like there is a covered portion of it at the very, very top of it. Uh, and it definitely seems like there is motion up there. 
And as you look around it, you just see a sea of corpses in various states of decay and, and desiccation. Skeletons picked clean, uh, some of them that look rather fresh, uh, with their, their flesh pockmarked, uh, and look like weird disease pustules on them. Uh, Ron, I need you to make me wisdom check. It's not a save. Uh, not good. Uh, just an 11. You remember hearing stories about great sacrifice rituals to the cult of Lilith, where they would take an endless stream of people and sacrifice them to the goddess. This feels like that. This is not good. I'll, if I was out ahead, I'll fall back to the group, and this is some kind of sacrifice to Lilith, I'm certain of it. So Ron says that to you guys. Wernair looks at you. Lilith? Like, goddess of, of death and evil, and he makes, like, weird hand motions, like, making, like, devil horns on his head. Lilith? Uh, yes. Yes, that Lilith. I mean, I don't... Do you know of any other gods who would... And she, like, gestures around at this. And you notice that Weirnir probably wasn't looking at the ground before? Ah! And now he looks down and he is horrified. He leans over the side of the cart and starts just vomiting. I think Gorwalsh the Eater would do this. Alright, so... I'm just assuming that Gorwalsh would do this. There's, there's several gods that would do similar. Well, I mean, the giants have gods and then they have gods that... Like, the giants have giant gods that are actually kind of, like, just really big giants... And then they have, like, others. Like, I think some of them do worship hell. Um, and then they've got, like, the children of those giants. Like, there's the big ice giant and the big fire giant. And then they have children, and those children have children. And they just, you know, eventually you just hit you hit actual giants. Uh, from what little I know about it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's really wasteful. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of meat. Okay, so you now see this temple standing before you. Uh, you see all the corpses. Wainier is vomiting, uh, uncontrollably at this point. What do you guys want to do? Okay, I'm going to cast Guidance on him to help with his constitution. Save Carol for being sick. Uh, you do that, and it's... Yeah, he's good. He cleans himself up, takes out a handkerchief, starts dabbing at his mouth. <sighs> all right, well, uh, thank you. That, uh, that was not great. You're kind of new at this, aren't you? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. I like books. Books books don't don't have corpses. Well, they do, but you can't smell them. Do we see any people moving within our line of sight, or is it just kind of we see some movement and fires off in the distance and hear chanting? You see the fire pits. It looks like they're everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, and it looks like they dot up. There's uh, definitely a very definitive staircase that leads to the top. It looks like there is a sealed door and built into the staircase. It looks like the stairs kind of go around it and up. It's huge, like wide enough to have, uh, in May's terms, three giants abreast, as far as that goes. <laughs> Um, and it definitely sounds like the chanting and everything is coming, if you had to hazard a guess, probably from the top of it. Mm. Well, instead of an angel and a, and a devil on her shoulder, May has, like, her brother and her sisters. Her sisters are like, we could just avoid the top, because, but they might have something cool up there. We've got to find out if they have cool stuff. <laughs> and my brother on the shoulder is like, kill them, kill everything, and then take their cool stuff. May looks know, back I, from one I, to the I other. Fly up and I, just kind of look I can also uh, myself and two others can fly up there. That's up can to you guys. Can you be stealthy while flying up there? Because 
I would certainly worry about <laughs> I would certainly worry about being spotted by these people. They, they don't the cult will if it's not a friendly sort. Uh, I cannot go invisible and help others yeah. fly, but I could myself turn invisible and fly up for a minute. Hmm. Alright, if you wanted to do that, you definitely can. Uh, everybody can kind of hang back and DNR can sort of do that. Alright, then I cast on myself, not in this order, greater invisibility. I will Before you cast invisibility, I will pat you and cast guidance on you, so you have an extra d4 on your next roll. And then Okay, and then I cast, um, so I guess I can kind of do both at once. So Elemental Gift is where I, yeah. the bottom half turns into the tornado, and then uh, Greater Invisibility, which is Concentration, and I fly up completely unseen. Okay, well, as you take off over the, towards the, the, the pyramid and up, uh, scale seems like it starts to distort for you ever so slightly. This thing seems vaster and larger the more close to the top you get. Um, nothing seems to notice or affect you, per se, but as you look back down, instead of seeing like you're 10 stories up, it's more like a hundred. Uh, everything below looks like it's, it's just so far away now. And as you reach to the top, it looks like an entire city blocks worth of space is at the very, very top of this pyramid. And you see dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Uh, and it looks like they are all dressed in the same manner of wearing ratty clothes, uh, whether it's loincloths or uh, basically burlap sacks that have just been absolutely just like threadbare and wrecked. Uh, and they're wearing masks that look like they're made out of human skulls or bone. Uh, and they're chanting and worshiping and swaying in unison surrounding a casket, uh, but not like a normal casket, more like a sarcophagus, but, but, more angular uh, that is floating in what looks like a basin full of just red liquid. You assume it's blood. Uh, and it looks like every now and then they drag somebody over to this, this basin and they just like string them up by their feet and they slice their throat uh, and just let their blood drain into this, this basin. And when their body is completely exsanguinated, uh, they just throw them to the side of the again value distorts and you would have sworn that this was like a hundred feet away from them but as the body gets discarded it's almost like the side reaches back over and they just toss it off the side of the the pyramid and it tumbles down uh and you look over and you just see tons of gore and viscera uh from where the bodies have have rolled down and it looks like it's just another one gets added to the pile and and carnage and and carnal house uh, that is the floor surrounding the pyramid. Um, you don't see any any like ostentatious people or anybody wearing anything incredibly ornate, uh, but it does look like they are engaged in some form of ritual or activity. But nobody seems to notice you. Okay. Are they like they are they just entirely focused on what they're doing? Yep. Does it feel like they're making their own decisions right now, or does it feel more like it's just like a rote? I don't want recording almost like this is just a snapshot of time or is this actually happening, happening? It's actually happening, happening from as near as DNR can tell. And the people that are having their throats cut, are they stepping forward willingly or are they like oh. prisoners that are being dragged? Uh, they they don't look like everybody else. 
it doesn't look like they're fighting, but it doesn't look like they're there. It looks almost like they're they're checked out. Uh, they're vacant. Um, they're not volunteering, but they're also just not fighting. Okay. Then, before my invisibility drops, I'm going to dash back and let everyone else know what I saw. Okay. I explained the, the sarcophagus that in the pool and the throat cutting and the vacant expressions of the people and then how they're being tossed over the side and the warping of space. Uh, Ron, you've definitely heard of stuff like this before. You have never participated, um, but you were definitely being trained to, to catch victims and not just kill them, but bring them back. And it sounds like po- you were trained in, in psychedelic poisons, mm-hmm. um, very similar to the classic idea of the location like, zombies, um, where you could basically blank a person's mind out it sounds like that's what they were doing to these victims it makes them completely pliant they they just they don't fight they don't know where they are essentially it turns them from humans to cattle uh do i know if these rituals were for any particular purpose or were they for any kind of purpose or do i just not know the specifics you didn't stick around long enough to find out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh well i will tell everyone this is Definitely some kind of ritual to Lilith. The victims were probably kidnapped and poisoned to become whatever they are. I don't know what they're doing, but if it's a ritual for Lilith, it can't be good. Plus, I mean, look at all the spoilage. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed this place isn't swarming in predators. There must be some reason why the animals don't come in here, because there's just, look at it all. Yeah, and as you as you say that, the rest of you notice that there is no sound of like the entire time you were traveling here to this location. There was wildlife. There was the sounds of jungle and insects, insects, and everything. It is still here. There is nothing aside from the sound of that chanting and the crackling of some fire. There's not even flies on the corpses. There is nothing. So how many were there up top, Dinar? You saw probably easily. Over 100, 150. Yeah, it was like a city block up there. Of the 150, how many of them were the victims versus how many were the killers? You actually didn't see where the victims were being dragged out of. They just seemed to almost magically appear. Yeah, it's like they just kept coming, and I don't know how many there were. There was just a new one. We obviously can't fight that many of them ourselves. We can't? Well, it would be really hard. What if we could wake up the victim how do we know how they're being controlled oh that's a good question do i know how to undo poison like that? yeah actually you do they trained you how to, to take care of it in case it ever got turned uh onto any of the anybody in your hunting party mm-hmm. you're confident that if you if you were to find where they were held and have access to whatever chemicals that they have on hand or the plants that they're using you're pretty sure you could probably break it out uh and and we're near will will sort of because, again, he is an alchemist by trade. And Marzi's not exactly a slouch when it comes to potion making. Um, we're near, he looks very resolute for a moment. I can help with that. But we don't know where they are. It. You said, and he looks at you, Dinar, you said that it, it felt like reality distorted. Yeah, distance wasn't what it should have been. How fast I was flying versus how fast, how far I traveled. Just, it didn't feel right. And he kind of, like, dives into the back of the cart and starts throwing books around. And he pulls out one, and he starts digging through it. Okay, I, I thought I read about this before. This, this, I don't know if this is what's happening, but it is not 
uncommon. You see the book he's he's got is like, you know, uh, essentially it's like ancient rituals for dummies type thing. Um, <laughs> it's not uncommon for areas of, of great power or, or a fluctuation in power to, well, distort reality. I don't know what they're doing, but if they're performing a ritual uh, of that requiring that much blood and sacrifice... They're waking up their god. Well, you, you said Lilith, right? She she was already awoken. Well, yeah, but does she have a servant in this world yet? Her church was destroyed 20 years back, right? Oh, no, quite the opposite. Okay, I thought there was a big fight, and that's why we came here in the first place, to get the magic chalice thing that they dropped here. Uh, so There was a big fight, but it had the opposite effect of what yeah. you said, okay. I think. Yeah, IRC... It was with the way that Hatterai and D explained it to you. This is where Lilith got woken up by accident. Um, Hatterai found giant casks of what he thought was wine uh, and opened it up and partook with it with Walter and uh, another member of their party named Ginger. And uh, they wound up enthralled to the whatever was inside of the casket um, uh-huh. and wound up taking the rest of whatever was in those jars and filling the vat around the sarcophagus, which woke her up. Um, yeah, but it woke her up, but did she physically get up? Yes. Okay. Did she at any point seem like she may need to go back? Because this seems to me like, okay, she needs refreshing. She got up too soon. You know, Executus, too soon. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she's got some big champion that she was supposed to be with her, and now she's waking that guy up. I don't know. I just, Make, that's... Everybody give me, be- a wiz- uh, give me a wisdom roll. Not a save, just a, just a wisdom Just let me know what you get. Thirteen, sixteen. Okay. Was that Liz? Are we all doing a wisdom? Yeah, everybody, roll? everybody. Five total for uh, me, so I got no idea. Liz, I'm gonna say do yours at advantage. Uh, that's an eighteen plus three. Okay. At advantage. Liz, you definitely remember this. Everybody has a vague recollection. So about twenty years ago, the uh, heroes, the adventurers, defeated not Lilith but her son, Lord Drost who is rumored to be this the first vampire to ever walk. Um, they took him out 20 years ago, which caused a huge uh, explosion. It actually destroyed part of the continent uh, that you guys are on. Uh, and the, the, after that, they decided that they weren't going to adventure anymore. And that's when they retired to Highgate to build up the city. Um, he is Lilith's son, her firstborn. She never fought them. She, when she yeah. woke up, she harried them and she had other folks like, you know, mess with them and take stuff away from them. And, and, but she never outright attacked them. That was never her style, but she is 100% awake, walking this plane and exists in reality. As far as, and, and Ron, you would know this. She doesn't need to recharge. That's not a thing that happens. Once she's active and awake, she's out. She's, only slowly been gaining power and which is why the temple to hell and her priesthood have been trying so very hard to undo that because it's literally two gods of death uh fighting one for balance in the cycle and one who wants to essentially take over this plane of existence and make it her own personal demise. oh i will explain all of this to the rest of the party okay well big vampire dude sounds like he might like a bloodbath uh, Lilith is quite a fan of bloodbaths. Yeah, she's basically if Carmela had become actual god, that that's kind of what Lilith equates to. So, and we're gonna look at you, all of you, and kind of. So, what do we do? Do we go forward? Do we go back? 
Well, going back doesn't serve any purpose. We can't leave this. I think we have to stop it. I just don't know how. Well, I mean, they got to be keeping them somewhere inside that big giant F off tower, right? The the pyramid of absolute horror night show crapness. <laughs> that that's that's where they're probably keeping their victims, right? And anything else they've got. And, and are, are, are we supposed to be looking for something? I mean, besides yeah, the mag- the a chalice of hell. Right, so the chalice of hell, which was used to wake up Lilith in the first place. Okay, so it's probably <sighs> here. Um, as an illusionist, um, thinking about what you saw, I'm thinking that the pyramid is not as big as you think it is. I think that there's magic around this to make it seem bigger than it is. What if it's the other way around? You hush. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I'm not going to consider that. that Why? Because. Um, so that's my considered opinion at the moment. Okay. Did, have we seen any, or can we see any entrances to the temple on lower levels? Yep, you see one right, at the, ba- right at the base of the stairs. There's a giant set of stone doors. Is and there's there no one down there. Enter here. I mean, that's the only thing that's missing. Right? No, there's, there's there's no neon sign saying this is the enter. Make sure you have your ID ready. Nothing like that now. You must be this tall to ride this to go into this temple, right? Okay. But there is a there is a doorway framed with the fire sconces and set into the stairs that lead to the top of it. Um, but it does look like it leads into and it's at the bottom level. It looks like it's large enough again. Uh, if the stairs are wide enough for three giants abreast, it's wide enough for a giant to walk through comfortably. And how far away is the base of, are we from the base of the temple right now? Probably about 100, 150 feet, maybe. Okay. You're right at the ed- you're right at the edge of the carnal uh, sort of pit. What if we pret- we uh, disguised ourselves like the followers and said that we brought more people to sacrifice? Then they would lead us right to where they're keeping all the others in place, and we could free them and stop the ritual. Mm-hmm. I do have the ability to disguise and decent deception. I do this. That's up to you guys. I can disguise myself as anyone, and I. Assume I would know what know at least some of the habits enough of the habits of the cult to. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent. You could you could easily transform yourself to look like that. Mm. So who are going to be the that actual seems... sacrifices you're supposedly bringing? Me and Quint. <laughs> were they were all of the sacrifices human, or were they just whatever humanoids? You did you saw a mixture. It wasn't it wasn't. Uh, this is Dinar. Uh, you didn't see like just all humans or anything like that. You saw. Snake folk, you saw elves, halflings, dwarves, Thrykreen. Like, in the time that you were up there, it felt like forever, but you probably saw a good eight or nine humanoids sacrificed. I think it's a great risk to do that. I mean, at this point, we are taking a great risk. We just need to decide which one we're taking. I would like to take the one where we walk up to that door, uh, go inside, kill everybody we see on our way in, find where these people are, and get them out. I agree. I think that's the... Least risky option if they're in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. They might not be. Going into the middle of this is much more dangerous. Going anywhere here doesn't seem like a great idea. Like climbing the stairs seems like a terrible idea. I totally yeah, want to do an it. Extra, that's an extra bad idea. I mean, I, don't I want like to. The stairs. I don't think I can climb them. I think they're too big. Um. I look down at her. Yeah, you would. Uh, Ron would like to, even if we were going into the temple, I mean, Ron would like to disguise herself as kind of a more typical member of the cult of Lilith. 
Yeah, that's easy. You can morph. Are you doing it in front of everybody? Um, yeah. She doesn't care. Okay, so nobody except for May has an idea of what you are. So everybody else sees for the first time. Uh, Ron, sort of describe how your transformation looks. Um, her skin kind of ripples and shifts into until she just looks completely different. I mean, um, can I? I can't change what my clothes look like or anything like that. Correct? You can. Oh, can I can change your size too. Yep. Uh, yeah, I can be anything humanoid. Anything with the same basic arrangement of limbs. Yeah, I, I'm going with rule of cool on it. Like, honestly, you can change the appearance of whatever. For the lack of a better term, it's like you have glamoured uh, glamoured um, armor. Just because it's so, way easier to do that than anything else. Uh, yeah, than to consider, oh, well, right now I'm yeah. a halfling and I'm turning into a human. And yep. yeah, that gets complicated. Um, so yes, her skin kind of ripples and her clothes kind of like a shimmer of sort of something magical or otherworldly and she turns into um i don't know perhaps just a normal human kind of uh generic looking features wearing dark clothing something more typical of the cult of lilith and uh yeah maybe maybe a male human with kind of a little burly and muscled looks like they could handle themselves okay that's what you guys see uh as it shifts before you full of surprises well some of them I think this, and her voice changes as well. It's kind of a a deeper male voice, you know, kind of a nice Batman growl because no one in the cult of Lilith is cheerful or anything like that. If we run into someone, I may be able to hawk our way past. Okay. All right. What say the rest of you? All right. In case we're going with that, I'm also using the sky self, which is an eldritch invocation. So same kind of thing is cast a spell, turn into looking, uh, I'm copying what she did, uh, doing the same kind of armor. I look like a um, s- someone in the cult, like what I saw up there, except uh, my skin re- uh, remains blue. Okay. Alright. Who's taking point then, if you guys are moving forward? Well, people disguise should, since. Yeah. Alrighty. As you move forward, uh, and I rolled for this at the beginning, so I apologize, but uh, your preparation's kind of out the window here a little bit. Uh, as Ron steps forward onto the carnal field to head towards the uh, pyramid, you guys feel a little bit of a rumble, uh, and the corpses start to shift. Not in that they're coming alive or, or reacting in any way, but it's almost like they're flowing together to form, well, a face. And you hear a voice, almost as if it's from all of them. And it's a sickeningly sweet voice and Ron you recognize it immediately as Mm -hmm. oh my wayward child has returned and it sounds like a cacophony of like multiple voices like all the corpses speaking and it's almost deafening are you are you returned to the fold I've come with gifts sacrifices for you oh Ron child you know better than to lie to mother you were always so Mm -hmm. petulant and let's be honest not quite good at the lying part I am what I was made. Well, let's see if that's true, then, shall we? Mm. I'll even open the door for you. Show me how strong you've become, my child. Show me that I would want you back at my side. And then the corpses sort of go back to shambles and almost, like, leave a path for you. And the door opens and slides with this grinding sound that, that just shakes everything around you. And you hear a thud, followed by another thud. Followed by another thud, and you hear 
a distorted and dry roar as, well, you've never quite seen one before, but a bipedal creature emerges from the door, easily as large as a giant. It looks like it has a long tail behind it, a gigantic toothed uh, maw at the top of its, uh, where its head is, uh, it, small front arms, and it looks like it is in various states of decay and just bone is exposed uh, and it roars and locks eyes with you. And that's where we're going to end our session today. <laughs> so thank you very much for those of you that joined us. Uh, I apologize for the for the briefness of that, but this is about to be a boss fight. Uh, and I want to make sure that everybody is here and prepared for it. And we did have to, uh, Anne had to bow out a little bit early. Uh, but I do want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we will continue this on the next time, uh, next month. Uh, we'll post about when that's going to be. Um, hopefully you are enjoying it. We are kind of moving along a little bit more. I've been waiting for weeks to get them here <laughs> so that I can have Ron sort of get further into her story. Cause, Oh man, I love it. Um, and thank you everybody for playing today. Hopefully you had some fun. Um, again, I'm still for a little sure. bit, a little bit mad that my veggie pygmies didn't do quite nearly as well as I hope they would. I wanted to give you a little bit more of a hard time. Uh, but again, if you I mean go ahead. Ron, Ron is below half health, so they at least gave her a hard time. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see how everybody does here. Uh, hopefully next time that it'll, it'll go a little bit smoother for everybody. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you want to listen to this or any of the other episodes or any of uh, Matt's wonderful D&D uh, spectaculars, including the uh, Mass Effect one-shot we just did, which was absolutely spectacular, uh, please be feel feel free to uh, go to the site, blizzardwatch.com. We have them all there. They're also on SoundCloud. Uh, if you want to get them a little bit early or if you want to have access to any of our other exclusive content, uh, we we are supported and, almost, and entirely run uh, by Patreon, so you can support Support us at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch uh, and have access to all of our stuff early uh, as well as an ads-free site experience. Uh, and hopefully you uh, enjoy this and, well, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.